0: I am super excited to introduce my guest. He's a four-time Emmy Award-winning casting director. He's cast such iconic television shows as China Beach, ER, The West Wing, Shameless, Animal Kingdom, just to name a few. I want to welcome one of my favorite casting directors, John Frank Levy, to the podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Billy. It's great to be here, and I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to talk to you about our careers and what we've learned.
0: You know, I created this podcast to inspire other artists to follow their dreams, right? If a kid like me can come out to Hollywood at 18 with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, didn't know a soul out here, I just had this dream and make the dream a reality, then why can't the listener out there, right? If, if a guy like you can come from the Bronx, right? You're, you're from the Bronx, correct? Yeah, that's you know, right uh, You know, to come out of the Bronx and have the career the the shows that you've been such a huge impact in, in television, I mean, that's, you made the dream a reality. So if you can do it, if I can do it, then those listeners out there can do it.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree with you, but it's not just wishing and dreaming. There's a hell of a lot of hard work both in terms of whatever craft you end up in but also in discovering and enhancing yourself so that you but that's the work that all of us need to be doing is being on this journey of self-discovery and self-actualization growth and change and it, you know that that's really the secret is to be to find yourself so that you can find the role that you're most right for, the roles you're most right for. And and that's really what the book is about and what my life has been about.
0: Write for the role. Love the book. I highly recommend all my listeners out there, all you actors out there, even if you're not actors, to pick up Write for the Role. It's a, And it's an awesome book. Congratulations. Thanks,
1: Thanks Billy. It was hard work and I resisted a lot of it uh, I'm very grateful to the woman I wrote it with Trudy Roth who kept saying to me John, you got to reveal yourself John you got to be more personal here you got to tell us what you're thinking what you're feeling not just stories about famous people you knew uh, and I I'm kind of notoriously private and uh, so that was a struggle for me but I realized that I if I wanted to have impact, if I wanted the book to mean anything, that she was right, and that I, I had to reveal myself and and uh, and talk about things that were personal and triumphant things and painful moments, all of which contributed to my opportunities and my successes.
0: Love that. You know, I mean, your vulnerability is your strength. And, you know, there, there's some be- beautiful stories in, in the book. So, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and put yourself out there.
1: Well, it wasn't my instinct.
0: <laughs> so I want to go back to this, to the beginning, you know, when did sure. you uh, know that you want to be in this, this crazy Hollywood show biz? You know, uh, you know, you started out, I believe, as an actor, right? When did you know?
1: Well, I, you know, when I was... Um... I tell the story in the book. And and so there was this girl. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> the way I start every chapter. Uh, I didn't do it in the actual book. But, you know, when I was a kid, my mom took me to the theater. And I think all little boys are kind of lost and wondering where the hell they're supposed to be and who they are and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was definitely lost at, at 12 or 14. My parents' marriage was falling apart I was confused uh, about what my role was in my family and in my uh, school and in my friendships and all of that. But when we got to the theater and the lights went out and the curtain opened and people were vulnerable and passionate and thrilling, I think, I, I guess, I mean, I'm not a religious person. But I think what happened to me in the theater is what often happens to people in mosques and temples and churches and in other places of worship. I started to experience something magical. Hmm. And so I think I knew right then that being part of the storytelling arts was something I was going to want to do. I didn't know if I was going to write or act or I didn't even know what directing meant or i didn't know anything about anything except that my heart was beating a little faster my eyes were open a little wider and i was engaged
0: that's awesome i have a very similar story you know my yeah i came from a broken home my family my parents were divorced there was a lot of abuse there was a lot of you know listen if there was a checklist of everything that could possibly go wrong to a child i check all the boxes you know (laughs) Um, but it, for me, it was, you know, needing to be loved. And, and I, and I found that, you know, when I would perform and I get a little pat on the back, I felt love, you know, I got a, you know, I go to the butcher and I, would act like a piece of bacon fried up on a pan in the floor and butcher and he'd give me, cut me a slice of bologna. And. It was like I got a reward for it, you know? And yeah. then at 11, Universal Pictures came to my neighborhood and they parked their trucks on my block and they were filming a movie called Nunzio with David Proval and James Jonica and Morgana King. And and I kind of finagled my way in there and I got a little part and 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 that's when you know, I got a little powder on the nose. I got a little craft services. And that's when I got bit by the acting bug at 11.
1: That sounds like a fantastic experience for a nine-year-old searching for himself. Uh, gosh, I worked with David Proval years later, I'm sure. And, uh, I'm remembering now how fantastic he was uh, on the, on the Sopranos.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. So, you know, I'm an actor because David Proval came to my block to shoot Nunzio. I mean, that was the, the, the moment when I knew, I remember I snuck on, they had a uh, there was a bungalow and they had built all the interior sets and I snuck on to that lot. And, and it, like you said, it was magical with the the sets and the lights and the, the fake walls and the quiet on the set. I mean, it was truly uh, I remember it was a dark place and I was I just followed the light into where they were filming and it was just pure magic. And, it and, and was kind of like
1: a, kind of like a night game at, at Yankee stadium <laughs> had that same dramatic, magical feeling when you were a boy. It was like, and, right. and it's the same. It's all, that's just performance.
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, I built my school here uh, in Manhattan beach 10 years ago. And uh, about two years ago, I was in Guatemala on a mission trip, building uh, homes out there. And I, I got a phone call from uh, somebody and I, I checked my machine and it was David Proval. Really? He called mice. He, he was driving by my school and, you know, he's in, he did some teaching back in the day and he was looking to maybe teach a class. So he said, my name is David Proval. Blah, 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 blah. So I called him back. I go, David, I know who you are. I said, I'm an actor because you made a movie in my neighborhood and you know he came he lives in my neighborhood he lives in Redondo Beach I live in Redondo Beach he came to the studio so it was like full circle and he yeah, came and he taught he taught a class here uh, you know which was uh, which was awesome and it was just like magic you know you couldn't make that t- Yeah that's
1: that's. we talked about it earlier before we went on to recording this but you know I'm a giant believer in the happy accident some people call it karma or whatever else, you believe in miracles or all of that. But I, I mean, I think one of the things that we all can benefit from is if we're open to the happy accident. When I was 30 and I was at the Mark Taper Forum on a fellowship to direct plays, I didn't had never heard of a casting director at that point. And, and because I did a lot of readings of new plays there, Uh, There was somebody from the literary department and there was this guy from the casting department, a guy called Frank Bayer, who I just love. Uh, He's long gone, I'm sad to say. But, uh, you know, he would bring actors to my attention and we would do we would rehearse plays. And I suddenly thought he has an interesting job and he needs to speak the language of actors. He needs to speak the language of directors. He needs to speak the language of
0: playwrights. And so do I. Huh. Hmm. Love that. It's for me, I, the same thing happened to me. I mean, you know, I've been blessed. You know, I came out to Hollywood at 18 and I, you know, I booked my first audition. I got my SAC card. I got Taff Hartley on a guest star episode of The Fall Guy. You know, it was, it was just, it was, it was It was magic. It was like, you know, I I remember sitting in Brooklyn before I came out to Hollywood, watching this television show with Lee Majors called The Fall Guy. You know, I grew up watching him on The Six Million Dollar Man. And I said to myself, I'm going to do that. This is what I'm going to do. So when I get to Hollywood and I get my first agent, I get my first audition. It's for The Fall Guy. And the character's name is Billy. Billy. And he's, <laughs> he, and he's a leader of a gang. So I went into that room and, you know, I got that part. I got my sack and I was off to the races. But, you know, that didn't just happen. That was the universe. You know, I knew what I wanted to do. I, I put it out there and I went after it and and I took massive action. I, I jumped on a plane, traveled 3000 miles and I banged on every door in Hollywood. You know, I remember when I wanted to get an agent I was like, okay, first thing, um, my $200 ran out real fast. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, somebody told me about this thing called a recycler, you know, and I looked in there and I found a, a, a room for rent. A woman, older woman had a broken leg. She needed somebody to take out the trash, whatever. So now I had a place to live. So now I was like, you know, this is back in 1984 before cell phones and all that stuff. So I got a list of agents and I literally banged on every door in Hollywood uh, you know, and they slammed in my face, get lost, no, 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 no. and I went through the A's, the B's, the Cs, the D's, and I kept banging on a door. finally at Y the Yenes talent agency, I got <laughs> I got a yes. And I remember
1: Bob Ynez.
0: Yeah, and Bob was a kind of character, man. He was, you know. Let me tell you. I mean, I remember the first time I met him. He opened up his drawer and He said, "You want a shot at tequila?" <laughs> you know, and I was like literally walking out the door when he said, "Wait, wait, wait. There's a there's a part on a show called the Fall Guy." And I went, "The Fall Guy." I said, "You get me that audition. I'm going to get that part." And he got me the audition. And I got the part. And the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, that's the fantastic. power of. Well,
1: that, you know, we're saying happy accident, but you're also saying determination, hard work, belief in yourself, you know, all of those things create the happy accidents. They're not really accidents at all. That's just a way of talking about them that makes it make sense to you. But um, it's not uh, some lightning strike of good fortune that's bashing you in the head. (laughs) It's, uh, It's a result of your being on a journey that where you want to know more about yourself so that you can give more of yourself to the world, the, the, you know, being in the storytelling world is all about communicating uh, human truths to the audience so that they can learn, grow, change, uh, that's our service, and it's a you know millions of years old. The storytelling arts—those mm-hmm. guys with the floppy shoes who you know fall down around the fire where people are watching them—and you know those clowns and those fools—they're they're us. And uh, it, it, it's a high art, and it's uh you have to be. Uh, you know, you talked about service, and and. Uh, I think anybody who wants to be in the storytelling arts has to be doing it not for the limousine rides, not for the fancy tuxedos and beautiful dresses and jewelry and champagne in the back of the limousine and all those perks, which, by the way, are swell, but that's not the – your purpose can't be just about you in a self-aggrandizing way. It has to be about you in a giving way, you in a participating way, you striving for community, for collaboration, for creativity. That's what it's all about.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, first, I I just want to say this. You know, I got got an opportunity to say this to you, so I'm pretty excited to, to be able to say this to you because, you know, as a young actor... It's a scary thing, you know, trying to bang on doors and trying to get work as an actor and, you know, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and you know, walking into that room and, you know, you know, I, I was very blessed. I, I booked that job, but then I was on the roller coasters, the seesaw ride of Hollywood, you know, the feast or famine, you know, and, you know, when those, those auditions came in and you really needed it and you were desperate to get that job because you needed to pay your rent, you know, there's always that, there was always that added pressure of, you know, I need this, you know, but why I I said you were one of my favorite casting directors in Hollywood is because you created an, an environment for an actor. I remember when I would be sitting in that lobby and my heart would be pounding and I'd be, uh, you know, I mean, I was prepared. I was ready to go. But, you know, that those those that energy, that excitement starts to, you know, kick in. But you would always come out into the lobby and you were just so warm and you were just it was just you created such a safe environment for an actor and I and I think it's because you are an actor and you you know how vulna, how fragile actors can be and you just created such a beautiful place for actors to come in and play I mean I used to love one you know I mean I, I've been blessed I was you know when I was reading your book I was like it was like, you know, I've seen you've done a couple of interviews, you know, with other people. But I was I'm like, I was there. I was part of that. You know, yeah. I I was on China Beach. I, you know, that China Beach for me was, you know, I, I got lucky and I landed a TV series in 1987 with Matthew Perry and I, I launched the Fox network with my, my TV show. But, you know, the writer's strike happened and and the show got didn't get picked up and I was out of work and, you know, I had, I had been doing sitcoms. You know, I never thought of myself as a comedic actor. I, I was a serious actor from Lee Strasberg, the actor's studio in New York. And all of a sudden I'm doing sitcoms, you know, and it was cool because I was getting paid, but I always wanted to do the dramatic stuff. And then comes along China Beach, which was, you know, the hottest show. It had an amazing cast. And I got an audition and it was just a monologue, you know, like uh, it was an awesome monologue. I played a para, I don't know if you remember this. I played a paraplegic who was uh, oh, wow. that I, I, I was, you know, I do this whole monologue about the water that I'm good in the water because I can use my arms and you can't see below the water and you can't see my legs. And, and, you know, there's this, I mean, it was a literally a a full page monologue. Yeah. And I, when I read it, it was so juicy and rich and meaty. And I was like, I want this thing. And I remember I came in and I read for you and you were so awesome. I felt like you were my like cheering me on, like you, like you wanted this for me, like you were fighting for me to get that part. And that- uh, yeah, well, I was
1: fighting for you, Billy, to to do your best work and feel the best about yourself and go home and not punch the steering wheel of your car and say, "God damn it, why didn't I? God damn it, how could I have done?" You know, and and I really appreciate your saying the the stuff about the environment that I created because. I knew that instinctively that my job when we were in session was to create the world that would give you the opportunity to be your best self and to be your best actor. And uh, and that was me having to learn how to be empathetic uh, and how, how to care about somebody else. And, you know one of the things that i hope the book does is kind of demystify the power of the casting director and uh, and and kind of making you all actors taking away your power and and that's not helpful to anybody i want i want each one of you to do your best and i want one of you to get the job so i can go home and have dinner with my children or my girlfriend or my wife when i was married or you know whatever i i want to make sure you understand that i'm not there to stop you to discourage you to block you but i am there to demand that you bring your real self your whole self your best self to the work and then we'll see if you're right for the role if you're you know shameless plug for the title of the book uh (laughs) Uh, You know, or or if you conform to the vision of the director or the writer or the producer, you know, that's all pretty mercurial and abstract and difficult to pin down who gets the job. But uh, who has a great experience is something I could contribute to. And I, I prided myself on that. And I'm glad you recognized it. And I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, I don't specifically remember that monologue, but it was very similar in your description to a monologue from the pilot, uh, which was a character called the Burnt Soldier. And uh, Chloe Webb's character sang to this guy after he recited a kind of monologue about what it was like to be napalmed to to near death. And I read that scene many times with actresses who were reading for the part that Chloe ended up playing. And at a certain point, the president of Warner Brothers television, a wonderful Brooklyn guy called Harvey Shepard said to me, John, I'd like you to play the part of the burnt soldier. And I was (laughs) like, no, Harvey, I, I can't do that. That's, I have my job and somebody else will play that part. And I, uh, but I was able to plug in the way you're talking about, able to plug in. Uh, and of course, I had the glorious experience of not needing the job or wanting the job. And so it uh, it got easier. And I think that that's important to say that, yeah, you, you know, you got to pay your rent. And you need to buy food. And you need to, you know, have health insurance and all the things you need. But if you bring that need into the work, that's going to block you. Uh, and if you just bring your connection to the guy, your authentic, real connection to the guy you're going to be playing, if you can find the way to creatively marry yourself to the circumstances of the character without all that stuff, you'll you'll have a good experience and do good work. And maybe you'll get the job.
0: Yeah. You know, I always look at it as... You have a problem, right? Cast and direct. I got to cast this role. I'm the solution. You know, yeah. I, I've done the work. I've done the prep. I've, I'm, you know, I, I remember that China Beach thing. I played a paraplegic. I mean, I was so, I, I tied a belt around my legs and I dragged myself around my house. I didn't use my legs. I'm a you know, method actor. I was like trying to drag myself into the shower, to the toilet, trying to, you know, prepare a meal. Like I wanted to really feel what it was like to not be able to sure. use your legs. So I- Well, that's what my- I mean
1: by marrying your true self using your imagination and your experience uh, uh, to, to uh, marry yourself with the circumstances of the character. And if you do that authentically, the work will resonate and, and it'll be exciting. And, you know, auditioning is an opportunity to do the thing you love. Yeah. And, and if you take the result out of it, obviously it's better when you get the job than when you don't. But if you've, if you, If that experience propelled you forward and you hadn't gotten the job, the only difference would have been the check and the experience of being on set. And those are important things. But you would have already had the experience of creating that marriage between yourself and the circumstances of the character. And that's valuable as hell.
0: Absolutely. I, every role, every audition is an opportunity to create a character. It's an opportunity to act in front of an audience. It's it's playtime. It's, you know, you, I, yeah. to be in that, to be in play.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And that mindset is an important part of success.
0: You know, I learned very early on uh, it's, it was about relationships. It was about building, you know, I let say I'm not right for this role, but that casting director is going to remember that well, I came in prepared. I came in ready to, you know, make a fan because, you know, you're going to remember me. I'm going to make some big choices. I'm, I may not be right for the role, but you're going to remember what I did in that room. And I think, you know, I, uh, for me, I've been blessed. I mean, you know, Barbara Clayman, she cast me in one of my first roles, you know, and when I came out, I mean, my, it was my second audition that I booked. It was Barbara Clayman, And she, she also, I became on her little list and she cast me in a TV series called Santa Barbara, a soap opera. And then she cast me in a commercial. And, you know, so, you know, there, there were yeah. those casting directors that once you got on their list and they were a fan and they knew that they can count on you, that you're going to come in the room and you're going to make them look good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think I always loved it when I got a new project because it meant I could use all the people that I loved from the previous project again. And, you know, you're you're very right. We build a repertory company uh, of people that we can trust people whose work we admire people who we know are going to, be collaborative and part of a community and not be selfish. Back in the day at Warner Brothers, we had an executive who used to say that he had a rule, the no assholes rule. And sometimes you can't abide by it, but uh, people who behave themselves and are collaborative and uh, want to play their part, Uh, In a community that's all pulling together, you know, what what was the great Tommy Lasorda quote about pulling the rope in the same direction? I don't remember exactly, but another uh, East Coast Italian-American who uh, I admired.
0: It's all about collaboration. I mean, that's what filmmaking, television, It's it's a community, like you said it's a community. Yeah. And you want to be a team player. You know, you want to be somebody that I know, you know, going to make a film or TV, it's like going to war. We're working we're working 16-hour days. I got to know I can count on you. I got to know you yeah. you're, you're, you're going to be professional. I know you're going to be show up, hit your mark, know your lines, you know, I don't have to worry about you. And if I can count on you, I'm going to want to work with you again.
1: Yeah. And and I'm going to have fun doing it. And if people are having fun while they're doing work, even if the work is dark and, you know, dangerous and sad, uh, but if people are are relishing the experience, it reads. And the audience gets engaged by that engagement that the actors and the director and the lighting guy and the costumer and the caterer and all those people, uh, you know, that community And, you know, it goes back for me to the theater and it goes back to me to sports. I learned that very early that I, you know, not everybody's the quarterback. Not everybody's the star. Not everybody gets the accolades. Not everybody, you know, and and to not want that, uh, to find the role that I was right for that gave me the opportunity to be my best self, to make my greatest contribution. And I think, you know, John Wells, who I worked for, for, you know, more than three decades, and and I I hope to continue to work for going on going forward. But he very definitely understood that we were going to spend more time together than we would with our families for a certain period of time. And that, that everybody pulling on the rope in the same direction was and being reliable partners and being exciting collaborators and forming a beautiful community that, that, that was what it was. And that, you know, whatever accolades I've gotten, and I've been stupidly fortunate to be involved in great projects that gave me a public profile that, uh, that allowed me to write a book that allowed people to give a damn about the book that I wrote with Trudy. The accolades weren't my goal. You know, when when I was writing the book, uh, when it was almost finished, I started sending emails out to actors, writers, directors, producers that I'd worked with over the years. And I said, hey, would you write a few sentences that I might use for promotional material blurbs on the cover of the book, blah, blah, blah. And uh, one of my dear friends, uh, who was a writer on China Beach and then later on ER and later on uh, West Wing, and named Carol Flint, talented, wonderful person, she said, "Are you really writing a book, or is there? Are you just collecting accolades?" <laughs> and and uh, I, I was—it was kind of a joke, but uh, you know, it, it hit me nicely because I—I I never thought I was. Number one on the call sheet or wanted to be I wanted to be part of the team that and I wanted to encourage everybody on the team to bring their authentic best self to the work because I knew then we would all have life changing opportunities to grow and change.
0: The opposite is true too. If you're not prepared, if you're not somebody, if you're an egomaniac, if you're somebody who's hard to work with, you're somebody who shows up late, you're, I mean, your reputation gets around in the business and people are not going to want to work with you. Absolutely. So I think it's really important for actors to know that it's all about the work. It's all about preparation. I mean, I'm sure for you, if you, you have an actor that comes in and they don't know their lines and they're struggling and they're, you know, it's like you, you, you're wasting my time, right? Yeah. I so, completely. so you know, you're probably not going to bring that actor back into your room, right? Well,
1: uh, that's strike one. I, I usually, because uh, I'm a baseball yeah. lover, I, I'll so get you to strikes? strike. I'll get you to strike three. But if if you get to strike three, you're
0: out. You're out. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's very generous, because I, you know, I know there's some casting directors that don't give you a second chance. There's no strike. You know, yeah. if you make me look bad, nah, I don't need to look bad in front of the producers. So, you know, I'm going to bring that actor that I know I can count on to come into the right. room.
1: Yes, without question. It's so important the way you present yourself, and it's not it's not about being pretentious or serious or what any of that. It's about being, as you say, prepared, but and and also uh, demonstrating that you're a collaborative person that you wanna find your space and you wanna fill it.
0: What is your advice to actors? Uh, You know, I mean, it's just changed so drastically from when, you know, we started in this business, you know, back in the early 80s, right? Technology, self-tapes, you know, I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, I, I read, I, I, it's funny, I read uh, about Breakdown Services, that you you worked at Breakdown Services, right? Yeah. So I have, I have a funny story, because when I came out to Hollywood, I was relentless in my pursuit that I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me. You know, I mean, I'm the kid who would show up at Warner Brothers and the guard at the gate would say, sorry, kid, you can't come in. And I'd walk around the building, climb the wall, hop onto the lot. You know, I'm from Brooklyn. You can't tell me I'm not coming in. I'm coming in, you know. And I spend the whole day on the lot, you know, walking, talking to Kevin Bacon on a set of Quicksilver. And, you know, I'm making friends. Nobody knew I just jumped a lot. I'm not telling anybody to jump lots these days. It's, it's a lot different than it was back in the yeah. early 80s. But when I found out about breakdowns, I was like, you know, somebody told me that there's a... Uh, Paper that has all the rolls on it, and they would drop them off in front of the casting, uh, you know, agents' offices. So I had the bright idea that I was going to go get those breakdowns, and I would steal them. <laughs> so I would take those breakdowns. But then I realized, you know, I would sit in Denny's and I'd look at the, you know, and I, and then I realized, wait a second, they weren't showing up the next day. So I would take the breakdowns. I'd go to Kinko's or copy place. I'd make a copy and then I put the envelope back so I could continue to get the breakdowns. And I would sit in Denny's in, you know, I was in 1986 and I'd be my own manager and I'd be pitching myself. You got to see this kid. He's from New York City, actor studio, Lee Strasberg, you know, he's a, greatest thing since Al Pacino. I mean, I I would have a pitch and then I would get that. Remember that yellow envelope back in the day for those submissions? I would walk to the gate and go, I got a submission for John Levy. And they, the guard in the gate would let me in and I'd have that envelope with one picture in it. And it was mine. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: well, I, I hope um, for your sake that Gary Marsh who founded Breakdown Services and still runs it uh, doesn't hear our podcast because the, the the state troopers will be at your door uh, even though the statute of limitations has probably expired.
0: Yeah, I think the statute of limitations has expired, but I you know I, I heard you guys used to go like find those people with the the the, the stolen breakdowns and hit them with a flashlight yeah. and bust them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Gary, Gary was uh, vigilant about uh, protecting his copyrighted material. Sure. And, you know, and, and that was his business. And of course, uh, you know, I don't uh, I certainly don't condone what you did, but it does make me laugh.
0: I feel like you got to be relentless in the pursuit of it. You know, the, the, the business has changed drastically, you know, from back in the day when, you know, you'd walk into a room and you'd audition and you get a call back in front of the producer, you know, a producer session, and then maybe you'd go to network and you'd test the, you know, now it's self tape. So how do you feel about how this this industry has changed as, as far as auditioning? Well,
1: you know, Billy, uh, I, I think obviously it has changed greatly and i i miss very much being in the room with actors it it, uh you know it was fantastic experience to be six feet away from world-class talent reading with people and hoping that they're gonna do great work and watching them and hearing them and feeling them and all of that was and it, it so feeds into my way of working which is very instinctive but You know, like technology in all the arenas of our lives has created efficiency and has created, uh, you know, all all kinds of positive things. But I, I do feel that it's a little preposterous to be in the business of telling human stories without much human contact. But that said, you know, ultimately we, unless we're talking about live theater, Ultimately, we're, we're seeing you on screens of various sizes anyway. And so uh, auditioning you on screens of various sizes has its value. I don't think the work has changed. I think you still have to connect to your humanity and find the connection between your humanity and the humanity of the character your imagination and your experiences and the characters' experiences and circumstances—that all is the same. And as a result of that, I think you know your preparation and your work is the same. And I, I'm uh, an old dog, and it's hard to teach me a new trick, but uh, I'm learning it, and I'm 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 able to say that w- during the pandemic, when we were casting. Uh, virtually instead of in person, our work at Levy Casting was just as good as it was during the era when it was all live. So I'm reluctantly being dragged by my ears into the contemporary world. It's not my instinct. It's not my comfort zone. But it's where I got to live to do what I love to do.
0: So are you not, is there no more in person?
1: I haven't had an office since the day after the pandemic started. Well, you're you're in my office, uh, uh, which happens also to double as my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, all the actors in America have made it to Levy's bedroom. (laughs) That's just a joke.
0: I, you know what I found for me uh, during the whole pandemic. You know, I have a school and my doors are closed, so it was like I went online. I pivoted immediately and I, I started teaching my classes online. But I liked working when you know it just opened me up. And now I'm global. I have students in different countries, states. Where, you know, I don't have to. You don't have to be here in my brick and mortar. And it's here. I'm in a close up. I'm 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 seeing you in a close up, and I'm watching you in a close up. So. I really enjoyed working with actors via Zoom because I'm looking at you as I would on a uh, filming you you know in that close-up. I can see your yeah. eyes I can see if you're telling the truth. you
1: yeah. know uh, I, I looked at you that way in the room. you were my I wasn't distracted by anything you, I was your face, your eyes, your voice, your body was my preoccupation. And uh, it's it's the same. It's just you have to adjust sort of the you you just have to adjust your spine a little bit or whatever. And, you know, Billy, uh, if you if you'd um, like me to do an audition technique class for your students sometime, please let me know.
0: I would love that. I would love that. Let's do it. Absolutely. So. Let me ask you, Here, this is how I feel. This is my opinion. And I know I I teach this to my actors. And my actors are booking jobs left and right. I know for me, I've booked so many self tapes, you know, I'm not even pursuing it because I'm so busy with the school and but there have been things that popped up and jumped onto my radar. And my agent, my old agent would call me up and say, Hey, you gotta, you should go in on this thing. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. I don't have time, whatever. And I said, you know what? I have a studio. I got cameras, I got lights, I got, yeah, let me throw, I'll throw up a self-tape. And I and I landed that role. What I found is, is it's 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 about for me, I tell my actors all the time, it's about. Giving them the performance. It's not auditioning. You now you have an opportunity. Give them the wardrobe. Give them frame it right. Light it right. Have good sound. Like bring your self tapes to the next level. So Absolutely. you be the actor with the wrinkled curtain, with the bad lighting, with the silhouette, with the cat in the you know the dirty dishes. I don't want to see any of that. I don't want to see your sides in your hands. I mean, you know, look right right here you go like this and be below the frame the sides are gone. So if you need to glance down and pick up your line, you know, but I don't want to see sides. I don't I don't I want to see give me the performance. I want to be able to look at your footage and take it and put it right up on that film or on that television. You know, there's no excuse not to. to-
1: well, he, without without question, there's no excuse to have a a distracting painting behind your head, uh, you know, an Andy Warhol. uh, uh, And there's no excuse to having the microphone be on the camera so that the person reading with you is five decibels louder than you are. And all of that is absolutely true. I want to resist a little bit the concept of give me the performance because I think that drives you to reproducing the result you think is right. And I, I would say, give me the connection. Give me the what ifing yourself into the circumstances of the character in as full-bodied a way as you can. But let your performance take care of itself. Let it even surprise you. Um, I agree. Be, because, you know, I, I don't want you to be, I, I don't want you ever to be reproducing your plan. I, uh, one of the first things I say to actors uh, in a teaching circumstances I know it's hard, please don't try to be right, please abandon your plan. Do the connection work, do the subjective work. Uh, what if yourself into the circumstances of the character, and in a certain way, your performance will take care of itself.
0: That's it, that's what I mean. I mean, doing the work, like to, you know, how do you make this real for you? How do you tap into your truth? You know how do you substitute? How do you personalize? What choices are you making? How are you loading up your previous circumstance? Are you giving yourself a ticking clock, an animal? You know what do you? I mean, the lines are just the lines. They don't necessarily mean they're true. You know, absolutely. What's what's underneath those lines? What's the subtext? What are you really saying? You know what? That's what I mean. Billy, I agree. You
1: completely. You know, sometimes, shut up, can mean kiss me.
0: Yeah, I love you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I just, that's what I mean by giving it. Just don't leave it to the imagination. Give it to them. I mean, if I'm looking, if I'm reading for the serial killer, right, and it's the interrogation scene, I don't want a purple background. It's fake. You know, find a real gray wall that looks real. You know, I'm not a fan of the paper, the, the, the fake paper. I don't want to put anything in my frame that's fake because I'm saying fake. You know, that's what I mean by bringing it to that level. That's just my opinion, but I know it works. It's worked for me. I've booked many roles, you know, because I'm bringing that. I'm bringing it on all all of the elements, you know, because you know, I'm I'm sure now you're getting bombarded because back in the day you'd bring those, you know, those, that list of actors into the room and, you know, this is my list of actors that I'm bringing to the room. But now it's it's it, I think it's if I'm if I'm wrong, you know, let me know. But I think you're seeing a lot more submissions because, you know, that actor that you may not have brought into the room. Yeah, why not? Send me a self tape. I'll look yeah. at it. You know, it, you are,
1: you are. We are. It, that's one of the advantages of the technology—not just the convenience that we talked about earlier, or uh, the streamlinedness, but also the volume. Uh, you know, you you can uh, see a lot more people and quickly and efficiently, um, and and we do do that. But nobody does a self tape for me without an invitation. Uh, a self tape that I haven't asked for doesn't get looked at.
0: Okay. So what are your no-nos? Like your pet peeve, like, I don't want to see this. What turns you off when in self tays?
1: Well, it's all the things we've talked about. A lack of preparation, a lack of respect for yourself as an artist, a lack of your respect for me as an artist, a kind of slapdash, I don't give a shit kind of attitude about it if you don't give a shit then uh, w- how is it possible that you're asking me to so i mean i think demonstrating that you care about it that it's important that it's something valuable and precious that we're working on together that that's uh, my yes yes and my no no is anything that is the opposite of that
0: so just out of curiosity, what is the process? You know, I know like back in the day, I come in, maybe if you didn't know me, there might be a pre-read, right? If you if you knew me, maybe I go straight to producers, you know, uh, maybe I, you know, so what is the process with self-tapes? Do you look at them and then you take your your favorites? I mean, you know, back in the day, there would be an adjustment in the room if you, you gave me, you know, I mean, that's what I, I loved about you as a casting director, because you always gave me. You are an actor, so a lot of cast nerds are just kind of poorly reading the lines, but you were always giving me something, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah,
1: well, something else to think clip. about, something else to connect to. Um, you know, so the process now is that is similar. Because I'm confident and because I'm experienced, I can kind of look at your face and your resume and who believes in you and take a chance. As you say, what the hell? You know, uh, uh, if that my instinct is wrong and your self-tape is lousy, I can spend 30 seconds deciding that and moving on. So, you know, I go through the electronic submissions and I uh, talk to agents and managers and I talk to my wonderful two wonderful women that work with me, Kim Wong and Tawny Tamietti uh, and uh, we collaborate and we, you know, share and uh, we make a decision and we click on actors and then we invite them to come to do a self tape and they do. And then Kim and Tawny will watch all of them. If there are maybe 25 or 30, which is maybe three times, four times as many as we would have done live. Uh, and they'll, they'll send me, the 5 or 6 or so that they or the, as as whatever the number is of people that feel viable and then I'll look at those and get it down to two or three which we'll send off to the director and the writer of the episode and the executive producer and eventually they'll choose somebody
0: so is there you know? no callback is there no I don't I, you know even in uh,
1: episodic television I I didn't even in live episodic television, I didn't do a lot of callbacks. Those were for major recurring roles, chemistry reads with a member of the existing star cast. those That's when callbacks would happen. But mostly we just um, did the work, trusted ourselves, respected each other and moved forward. And, uh, you know, because in episodic television, If you get the script on day one of an eight-day prep period, that's fantastic and sometimes doesn't happen. You know, during the West Wing, Aaron Sorkin never gave us a complete script on day one. If we were lucky, we might have gotten it on day three. And so then you immediately have to quickly schedule a session for day four, but nobody would get in that quick. So you'd have to probably do it on day five. And then... You know, there were maybe 15 rolls, so you could do eight of them one day and seven the next day, and then you you had to book them. And then, of course, during the pandemic, you had to really ratchet up the speed because people had to go through the testing process. And if they tested positive for the COVID vibe, you had to go back to the beginning and start over.
0: So, you know, back in the day, and this is uh, one of my students asked me uh So this is not this question is not coming from me, but it's coming from uh, one of my students. And I I know the answer to it, but I want to hear your answer. How important is first your 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 headshot? How important is that? And um, who makes the final decision on a a Taft-Hartley? Like who says, yeah, let's Taff hartley this actor?
1: Well, Uh, You know, during China Beach, I was, uh, I think, known as John Taft Hartley Levy (laughs) um, because, you know, the average age of a GI in Vietnam was something like 19 or 20. And a lot of those kids who went off to Vietnam and a lot of those kids who played those kids who went off to Vietnam were green. And uh, I'd just like to say to everybody, every single one of you start started your life naked without a SAG card. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame in that. Uh, every There's only one place to start your career, and that's at the beginning. Um, and so there you are. I, a lot of uh, producers and directors don't give a damn about things like Taft-Hartley. They don't know about it. And as long as I can facilitate the Taft-Hartley request so that the line producer doesn't say, why the hell do I have to pay a $500 fine to sag, nobody cares. So, uh, for the most part, it was my decision to. If you, if my producer approved an actor's performance, their union uh, affiliation wasn't something that we discussed. And if I had to tap Hartley, then I simply do it. And and why? And your question about the picture? Your picture should look like you. Uh, and uh, your picture and your resume are very important if they're an authentic representation of you. If they're not, you know, during uh, I remember years and years and years ago, Patricia Nolan was my associate, my number two chair and for many years. And I loved working with her. She's a great friend to this day. I just officiated at both of her daughter's weddings. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we're close friends. And I kept apparently picking the same girl off of her headshot. And Patty would finally say to me, John, she's not as pretty as that. You've seen her three times and she doesn't look like that. And I'd go, oh, okay. Oh. So, you know, your picture has to be an accurate representation of who you are. And it's very important. If it is accurate, it tells me a lot about your essence.
0: So back in the day, you know, when as a young actor, I would have to book that role on China Beach, and I'd have to go to this guy, Jan Natarno, and have him pull it off the air on a three-quarter tape and transfer it to a VHS tape and, you know, build myself a demo reel from the shows that I did and, you know, ran around Hollywood with my VHS tape demo reel. Uh, You know, how important are demo reels now? Do you guys look at demo reels?
1: You know, I, I'm again. I'm I'm very old school. If I'm talking to your agent, who represented you back in the day, was it uh, uh, Diane Davis?
0: No, I was uh, I was all over the place. I mean, I I, I was over at APA. I was at Paul Coner. I was with oh right, right 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 the artist agency. I was with Michael Zanek. I was with uh, you know I was yeah I was all over the place.
1: Okay, well, in any event, if I was having a conversation with your agent whoever it was at the time and they were they were submitting you for you said the serial killer earlier and i said well, gee you know i know billy's a you know a brooklyn boy and he's got some toughness but i i just don't see him as a serial killer and if they said i've got some tape that can show you a really dangerous side of billy gallo uh, then i would watch it and i would be happy to be wrong sometimes I was right. So but I don't watch demos for no reason. I watch demos to resolve a difference of opinion.
0: Got it. So you know, what I do here with my actors is, you know, I really kind of figure out their castability. Like, what what is it that you're selling to Hollywood? I mean, you're a product. You're selling a product. What is your castability? If you don't know what you're selling, Hollywood doesn't know what they're buying. You know, I mean, I mean,
1: you're just saying something exactly that I say. There are two things that are unique about actors. And one of them is that you're the product and the salesperson. And if you don't know what the product is that you're selling, I don't care how good a salesperson you are. You're out of joint. Also, you're the instrument and the player. Uh, you know, all the other artists in the world have a piano. And if it's in tune, you can pluck the 35th key from the left and you know what it's going to sound like. But And so you have to learn about your instrument mm. while you're developing the skill to play it. You have to learn about the product And you have to develop the skill to sell that product. Those are a very important part of your development. And, you know, I'm, I'm always also saying you have certain qualities. I hate thinking about it as type, but each of us has certain qualities. And then, of course, the next question is, how do I know what my qualities are? How do I know what people see when they see me? And the answer is, how does the world treat you? If everybody is always confiding in you, you seem trustworthy. If everybody's always hitting on you, you seem sexually available. If the elevator door opens and the young mother with her toddler doesn't get on with you, you seem sketchy. And and how the world treats you is how you learn about yourself and what the product is and what you're selling.
0: Love that. You got to become, you know, like you, you the instrument is so important to to build your actor toolbox, to load it up with life experience, to yeah. to people watch, to observe, to go to museums, yeah. to to get outside your comfort zone, to do things you never have done before, to listen to oh, different kinds of music, to to you're know. speaking my language. I
1: say, you know, if you grew up in an Italian household, with your grandmother making fantastic gravy, which everybody else calls sauce, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, then go to an Indian restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you like me and you love a baseball game, go to the opera. Yeah. You know, if you find yourself sitting around a dinner party and everybody is the same political beliefs or religious affiliations or sexual orientation or whatever it is that defines us, then do something else. I I, I don't want to, there's another acting teacher in town who I've talked with who wrote a great book called Fuck Your Comfort Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to advertise her book on your podcast, but, you know, I think we should all uh, F our comfort zone. Sure, and, absolutely. You know, you know, because all we really have is our experience and our imagination and our body and our voice. And we have to grow all of Our control over all of those things and expand all of those things so that our instrument has an opportunity to grow and our ability as a player has an opportunity to get more skillful.
0: Yeah. And everything you want is outside your comfort zone. So you got to be willing to step out of it and really, you know, be uncomfortable and get yeah. comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, that's what acting is. It's, it's being out there. It's being vulnerable. It speaks bearing yeah. your soul in front of a camera, in front of an audience and, and being able to do that knowing that, look, I'm not going to die. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, jumping out. I'm leaping. It's a leap of faith, it, you know, knowing you know, that during,
1: during the time, Billy, that we were doing the shameless, I learned that for many actors it's easier to be naked than it is to be emotionally naked. Yeah. <laughs> that true. was, a, that was a surprise.
0: You know, you know, when I look at your resume and I look at, you know, trying to beach and ER, you know, I was blessed to be on ER, you know, you cast me in ER too. So, I mean, I, I, I've, when I'm going down, I go, Oh, that's on my resume. I did China beach. I did ER, <laughs> you know, so I'm that's grateful. Great. I'm grateful to you, John, that, you know, you were, you were there for me as an actor. You know, you were bringing me into that room. You were kind of cheering me on and going, yeah, let's get Billy Gallo in here. Let's, you know, so I'm I'm very grateful and I thank you for that.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And as you said earlier, uh, I have a problem or a circumstance and you have the possibility of being the answer. And uh, so while I'm supporting you, you're supporting me. We're working together. Yeah. Even if you don't get the job, you and I are collaborating as two artists in the process of, and you're contributing to the storytelling whether you get the job or you don't.
0: I love that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of actors put the the casting director on a pedestal, like yeah. they're the gatekeeper, like they're 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 you know, it's it's something dangerous. But you know, you want the actor to be great.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> why would why would we want you to fail? What how would that benefit us in any way? I mean, some of us are empathetic and care, but even just practically,
0: solve my problem. Do you guys keep do you keep notes like you know on actors? Do you have a file like oh you know can you go back? Do you...
1: I don't okay. I I uh, you know fortunately my memory hasn't started to fade so. While I don't remember the two parts that you got, ER and China Beach, I remember auditioning you very clearly. And uh, it's interesting to be myself at this age to see you now, not at not as that young uh, stallion who's uh, you know, trying to take the world over, uh, but as this wiser, landed man who has found a role that he's right for, and is relishing the experience. It's a great experience now to see, and I, 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 you're still Billy, I guess. I, I used to be Johnny, but I'm John now. But I love to keep Johnny in my pocket because uh, there would be no John without all the shit Johnny put him through.
0: <laughs> sure. I look at it now as, as... Everything. I used to think that everything that happened to me kind of, it was like happened to me, but now I realize it happened for me. It was all a gift. I needed to go through all the shit that I went through to become the father I am today, the husband I am today, the teacher I am today. I mean, if you would have told me years ago that I'd be teaching, be a teacher, I would have told you, fuck off, you know, but I got a calling, you know, in the, in, in the, in the hardest moment of my life. You know, it, it was 10 years ago. When my I, the shit was hitting a fan for me. You know, I, I lost my 11 year old niece to brain cancer. I lost my stepfather to prostate cancer. My dog ran out and got hit by a car. My wife and I had a, a miscarriage. My wife got diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, life was pummeling me. I tore, I tore my rotator cuff and my labrum playing softball. So I couldn't work. I was in a sling for nine months. And it was just like I it couldn't have gotten any worse. And 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 that's when I got a little calling saying, How are you being of service? You need to open up a school. And I well,
1: you know, and that that's a very specific kind of thing. And I, I would just say, and again, this is a shameless plug of the book, but your journey was had triumphs and obstacles, and both of those things are opportunities to grow and change and find the role or roles that you are right for in life, father, husband, teacher, casting director, father, partner,
0: person. Yeah, Yeah. amen. If you could go back, right, and, and talk to Johnny, right, go back to young Johnny and give him some Knowing what you know now, right? Give Johnny some life advice. What would that be?
1: Wow. Don't be in a hurry. Don't always seek approval from others in every situation. Don't need to overcome the lack of approval you felt from your pop. Hmm. And bring that to every interaction with any other person. Be patient and be gentle with yourself. It'll happen.
0: Beautiful. You know, I, I look back at my life, right? And I think about I it was a, a needy needing to be loved from a father. I didn't get that. So I I I searched for love and I thought that acting was going to fulfill that. And I chased that and I got it. You know, I had the TV series. I had the big movies and the things and all that stuff. I had all that material stuff. And I was like, is this it? Yeah.
1: Is this it? Well, you, got, like, you know, you, you got, you got to fill that hole yourself through your own development and yeah. willingness to grow and change. And you, you, you know, while the champagne, in the back of the limousine uh, is beautiful, and the Emmy award is spectacular, and all of that. It doesn't fill the hole. Mm-hmm. You got to do that by being on that personal journey of discovery and awareness, and uh, and and that's that's your that's really your job. No matter what other things you do in your life, your job is to
0: become your best self. Yeah. What I found was the secret to living is giving is being of service. That's yeah. what I get to do on a daily basis. I get to touch people's lives. I get to make a difference in their lives. And it's so much more rewarding. When my actors call me up and I go, I got an agent, I got my SAG card, I got this, I got that. It's more rewarding than when I got the part. Yeah. You know, And, and I get it all day long. So t- to me, that's, that's what I found is, is being of service. And I, yeah. and, and I, I would, I, mean, I would
1: just call it, I would just call it, contributing to a creative, collaborative community by doing your best work and relying and respectfully relying on others. And, you know, I've had a, a lot of success and none of it is my success. It's our success. We did it together.
0: Beautifully said. John, I can't thank you enough for taking this time and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with me. And I would love to have you come to my studio and teach a class on on auditioning. You know, if anybody could write a book on being right for the role, it's John Levy. And I'm so glad that you, you got outside your comfort zone. You created this book, right for the role. Anybody, you know, you want to pick this book up. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time, John.
1: Great. I appreciate it, Billy. And can I just say that I have a website, which is John Frank Levy, and it's I'm on Instagram, John underscore Frank underscore Levy. Don't forget that's pesky second E in Levy. Uh, it's not L-E-V-Y, it's L-E-V-E-Y. And uh, if you buy the book on my website, Jeff Bezos doesn't get the money, I do, and I'll mail you an autographed copy of it. And, uh, but it is available on Amazon if you want to enrich Mr. Bezos further. Uh, there's an ebook and a paperback book and a hardcover book. It's also available autographed at the Barnes & Noble in the San Fernando Valley and Laurel Canyon area on Ventura Boulevard. And uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Billy. You're, you're, you're clearly on a wonderful journey of self discovery and service. And that is, uh, you you should be commended for that. And I'm sure you get a great deal of satisfaction in the eyes of the people you're influencing. And uh, I'm a familiar with that gratifying feeling. And and, uh, I think we share a a lot, including a torn rotator cuff and labrum, which was repaired (laughs) with surgery.
0: I I haven't fixed mine yet. (laughs) I'm a chicken to go underneath the knife. Yeah. So so when I see you, John, I want you to give me a My pleasure. OK, so so I, I definitely w- would love to schedule that. Also, um, I'm producing a film. Great. And I, I it's a, it's I'm, it's a tough casting job. So I would love to have a conversation with you about that.
1: Please send us the script. We'd be happy to read
0: it. OK, wonderful. All right, John, take care. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Billy. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.